Our reading today is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verses 27 to 40. When the guards had brought the apostles from the temple, they had them stand before the council. The high priests questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior so that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When the council heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel a teacher of the law requested by all, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. And then he said to them, Fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Thetis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up at the time of the consensus and got people to follow him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. Because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found fighting against God. They were convinced by him, and when they had called in the apostles, they had them flogged, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, your messages to us are indeed hard to hear. There are voices in our heads and outside of them that distract and tempt us. But even in those distractions and those temptations, you move and you speak anew. So I pray that what I say and whatever thoughts and ideas that my words initiate or enable, that you would go wherever they go and help to lead us all where you would have us be as your people. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Last Sunday, my colleague and your pastor, Whitney, 
launched our summer series from the book of Acts with a passionate reverberation of Peter's question, Who am I that I may hinder God? Today we will encounter and have encountered a man named Gamaliel who was guided by a similar question. And today we are going to honor Gamaliel despite the fact that he offers us many reasons not to. You see, Gamaliel was a Pharisee. Oh, no, the Pharisees. One of those law-obsessed nitpickers who yapped like dogs at the heels of those who strayed from tradition, always pointing out the specks in their neighbor's eyes when they could not see the logs in their own eyes. Woe to you, Jesus often said to the Pharisees, rendering them the foils of the gospel, the misguided bad guys who always got it wrong because they insisted on others getting it right. But this Pharisee, Gamaliel, stands out as a person worthy of respect. In fact, Luke, the author of Acts, says he was respected by all the people. Gamaliel counter to many, listens before he speaks, so that when he speaks, people listen. His voice rises above all of the barking to sound the sweet notes of wisdom. A teacher at heart, Gamaliel applies the lessons of the past to help others reach a more desirable future. He has the courage to stand up and interject his voice to offer a better way, even though he may turn out to be not among the best. Now, by way of background, Gamaliel was a member of a council called the Sanhedrin, a mixed assembly that enjoyed a mixture of political, religious, and judicial authority amongst the Jews in Roman-occupied Palestine. Luke describes how Peter and the the apostles, however, were captivating the local populace with their claims of a risen Christ and the deeds of power that they did to back those claims up. Threatened by this, the council threw these apostles into prison. But as the story goes, we find again that the God who could not be thwarted by a tombstone could not be too bothered by a few bars in a prison cell. And so in an act of surreptitious power, an angel of the Lord freed the apostles from jail, enabling them once again to preach and teach with great fervor. So this council, the Sanhedrin, burned with jealous energy as the crowd started to follow this group, and they were angered by their heretical, what they perceived to be heretical words. So once again, they apprehended those apostles and in their gathering conspired to kill them off with the echoes of crucify crucify still sounding perhaps in our sanctuary now in its easter finery this development this movement of the powerful to try to squash threats to their power should sound familiar And like Pontius Pilate did in the Gospel narratives, 
who would say, are you sure you want to do this to those thirsting for Christ's crucifixion? Gamaliel, the teacher of the law, respected by the people, would stand up and he urged caution. Speaking as one of them, he said, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. Remember that popular zealot like Theodos, and remember Judas the Galilean, when they rose up amongst the people and they caused a great scene, grabbing the attentions of the crowd. But then, once they died or were killed, their movement just fizzled away. Maybe Gamaliel didn't use the phrase fizzled away. That's in the Greek somewhere. But Gamaliel did say, Keep away from these men. Let them alone. Because if this plan is of human origin, it will fail or be overthrown. But if it's of God, it will not be overthrown. And in that case, you may be even found to be fighting against, or to use Whitney and Peter's words, hindering God. Like the E.F. Hutton of old, when Gamaliel spoke, his people listened. Gamaliel's wisdom somehow dislodged the council from their murderous plot, reducing the council to a desire for mere thuggery. The council ordered the guards to pound them with their fists and then with their fingers wagging demanded that the apostles never speak again of this risen Jesus. But we know that didn't work. The apostles, limping with pride, danced out of the hearing room, rejoicing that they could bear bruises in Christ's name and continue to sound their gospel message in all places. So here we come back to Gamaliel. And we can ask ourselves, would the apostles have been so jubilant and so bold? Would they have been able to do what they had done had Gamaliel not stood up? and to urge his disciples to settle down? It seems not. Whereas the council acted as those who were confronted by an emergency, Gamaliel could see the possibility of emergence. His wisdom was to get out of the way, to let things play out, and that wisdom and that willingness are what we are called to celebrate today. But let's be clear that Gamaliel was no saint. For all of his supposed wisdom, he seems to have regarded the apostles and their movement as just another flash in the pan, something to wait out and let fizzle of its own accord. So by urging caution, Gamaliel may just be choosing a different weapon to vanquish his foes. His motivations are strategic as much as they are faithful. It's also clear that Gamaliel does not really care for the apostles' well-being. He offers no objection to their being flogged, beaten, and denied their right to speak. And in fact, later in Acts, we find out that the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, boasted of his apprenticeship under Gamaliel and said that it was Gamaliel that taught him all he needed to know that would lead him to persecute the early believers of Jesus, even to the point of death. 
And lastly, for all of our attention on Gamaliel, he is not the center of this story. He is not the hero of this text. Instead, the apostles are, because they're the ones who speak the Spirit's voice. They are the ones who dare to be the body of Christ in the world and live according to what the gospel demands and promises. So with Gamaliel, to review, for all we have that he has done well, we also have someone that, one, has impure motivations, two, is in many ways part of the problem and not the solution, and three, is ultimately not the center of the story as gospel tells it. So then why should we celebrate him? Why should we give him honor? Because, in many respects, he is just like us. We sit here as people who want to serve and worship God, often for reasons for self-regard, not regard for society. We are part of as a church that seeks to do good in this world, but also participants in structures and systems that daily do, do violence to so many. And we are, in some respects, a part of the problem and not the solution. And when it comes to the gospel story, we are often on the outside looking in. Now this leads me to say something that is kind of crazy, probably heretical, and most definitely offensive. It almost was erased before I hit print, but I'm going to keep it in. You hear a lot in this church, we said it with the new members, how we are called, we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, that we are the body of Christ sent into the world commanded to baptize all nations, that we are the church of Jesus Christ, who are given the gifts to share God's love to those who do not know that love. What if we're not? What if I said to you that we are not the disciples, that we are not the apostles, that we are not the body of Christ or the center of the gospel story? What if we are not those who in our hearts are encouraged by this movement of God in the world, but those who are terrified by it, who want to tamp it down, keeping life right as it is, as wrong as that may be? If so, then perhaps the best that we can do is to be Gamaliel, to have the courage it takes to stand up and say, let us not be in the way. Do you remember the scene where Jesus warned the disciples that if they put a stumbling block before one of the little children that came to him, that it would be better for them if that great millstone were hung around their necks and they were drowned into the depths of the sea? Sometimes the best that can be done is to do no harm to lay aside the stumbling blocks that we may place before others who are seeking to truly live according to what Christ commands, to get out of the way so that others can be on their way, and to see others as the heroes of this story and not us. 
This week in the office, Evangeline remembered and shared with me the message of her preacher at her ordination service, who said to her, Evangeline, sorry to single you out, but Evangeline, it's not about you. It's not about you. At the national level, we remember that this weekend is not about us. We are not the heroes of our barbecues and pool parties. The heroes, excuse me, are those who gave their lives in service to others, in service to us. Our task is to be humbled by such an offering, by such a gift from those who rose up, who perished, and whose death led not to the diminishment of freedom's movement, but its advancement. Our task is not to honor ourselves, but the ultimate gifts of those who gave themselves on our behalf. And our task is to reflect on how we can become a stumbling block to the freedoms that they fought to preserve and amplify. So if my saying that we are not the apostles angered or offended you, if it made you bristle with righteous indignation, then good. I hope and pray that you will notice that energy. I pray that you will nurture that desire in you that leads you to want to be counted among the apostles of this story and to live in such a way that you are. Because, of course, we are called to be apostles. That is who we are to be, and that is how we are to live. But sometimes we cast ourselves as the heroes and are crushed to find that we fail to live up to that ideal. In conversations of spiritual direction, I have heard some say with lament, I am just not up to it, this whole faithfulness thing. I'm not selling my possessions and giving them all to the poor. I am not loving my enemies as myself. I am not losing my life with any confidence that in so doing I will gain the life of God. And I've heard people who admit to these shortcomings pull themselves out of the story. They, they become timid in faith. It's this like pharisaical sense that if we are not giving everything, then we are good for nothing. These are times for us to remember Gamaliel and to see in him what Jesus meant when he said to the disciples, those who are not against you are for you. He also did say those who are not with us are against us. But I take that to mean that there's room and there's need for both those that are not against and those that are for. If we cannot find ourselves to be fully for what our faith calls us to do, we can choose to be fully not against. We can allow ourselves in the crises of our emergencies to see the possibility of God's emergence, to refrain from pulling up what we fear may be the weeds, for as Jesus taught, sometimes the weeds and the wheat are one in the same or in the same place, and by pulling one, we may find ourselves pulling the other. Knowing this, we can more gracefully step aside, unburdened as we are by visions of self-grandeur, 
And then by celebrating the true heroes of faith, both of old and of now, those who are truly healers and movement makers, risking the ire of the councils of this world, we may find ourselves to more gradually resemble them. And that is our goal, to be those apostles dancing with joy in the streets over the honor of suffering and serving in Christ's name, daring to preach in word and in deed all that he promises and commands, no matter the cost. To get us there, the church will need some Gamaliels, those imperfect vessels teeming with contradictions and mixed motivations, those who are willing to step up, though, in order to step out of the way of others and of themselves so that God's emerging will may be done in a world filled with tombstones and prison cells. On this Memorial Day weekend, these are the people also to remember and even to emulate.